Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning so far? Good? Hasn't it been a great morning so far? Absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you so much for coming and being a part of Easter here at Journey Church. My name is Matt. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we just want to make sure, even if you're new or you haven't been here in a while, we, you feel welcome, and uh, we are grateful that you're here. One thing I want to say to all those that are new, uh, that you know, if you've come here pretty often, you've heard me say this every uh, time I speak, is that we want you to ask uh, questions, okay? So we put a phone number and an email address on the bottom of every slide. Uh, you can save them in your phone. You can do it in the moment. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, but we would love for you to ask questions, and we try to respond to those through a Facebook or YouTube video uh, during the week, primarily because we want to engage in the conversations that you're having and the questions that you uh, have personally. And so if you'll do that for us, that's great. You can save the number and email and send it throughout the week, or you can do it right in the moment as maybe God moves you and as you struggle with something even in the service. Uh, we'd love to be able to respond to that uh, this week for you, okay? Uh, we are starting a brand new series today uh, called The Real Jesus. And I, I, I wanted to uh, find a good verse to kick off Easter Sunday. I usually try to read something uh, along the lines of the story or at least an element of it for us to celebrate together. But to sit today, because in light of the message and the theme of the message as we kick it off today, uh, I chose a little bit of a different uh, verse to kick off Easter. And it's a quote from Jesus. Is that okay with you guys? I'm going to quote Jesus to help get us started on our Easter Sunday uh, this morning. And here's Jesus' words. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Isn't that a good verse to start off Easter with this morning? I hold the keys to death and the grave. If you haven't been around church in a while, a series is just a, a number of weeks that we decide to talk about a specific topic. And so this, again, this is called The Real Jesus. But if you wanted a title for today, if you wanted to get an idea where we're going uh, today, today, today is titled very simply, It's My Jesus, Your Jesus, and The Real Jesus. Okay? My Jesus, Your Jesus, and The Real Jesus. And part of this, hopefully you maybe you did this on the way in, uh, we wanted to ha ask a question about who the real Jesus is, how well do you know the real Jesus, how many took the quiz out in the lobby, the, the survey on the tablets, that's awesome, very cool. We had some more in the first service as well, um, uh, between services you can do it afterwards as well. Uh, how many got, let's see, how many got more than uh, 40% right? Oh gosh, look at you guys go. How many got more than 60% right? Oh man, this, I, I wish I had a gift now. All right, how many got 80% right? Man, all the smart people. Look at that. Front row and back row. There you go. All right. Everybody in between. There you go. 100%? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so there's no perfect people here. How do you like that? That's good. No perfect people. That's good. Well, listen, we want to engage that. And part of that is part of this conversation, part of this series, is just to discuss the real Jesus. Now, what we know is that there are lots of things that influence what we think when we say Jesus, what it is that you think of. When I say Jesus to you and you close your eyes, there's a picture in mind. There's an understanding that you feel like you have in mind. And that, is, that is, comes to us through a variety and just a large amount of influences in our life, from our parents to our schools to our teachers to this culture. Um, there's a lot of things that influence how we see my Jesus and your Jesus as we talk about the real Jesus. So I want to walk you through a few, and there's probably more than this. 
But I think sometimes we have cultural expressions, and a lot of that's done through media uh, in the, you know, a little bit, probably in the 1500s, 1600s. A lot of it was done through art in terms of what Jesus, how to express Jesus. Uh, one is done by portraits and pictures. Um, so a lot of times we'll have a view or an idea of Jesus in our mind, and he's very much like the older portraits, you know, blonde and you know, white with blue eyes, you know, and he's doing the little Catholic thing with his hand, you know, um, and we'll have that. Well, a black Jesus is another cultural expression uh, where you see a lot of paintings and things uh, as they express who Jesus is. It's funny that even in media or even in just artwork, I see very, very few expressions of Jesus as a Jewish man, which is really funny because he was a Jewish man, okay? Let's just find a white guy with a tan. That's usually what ends up happening, right? Now, that's, now, part of it can be a cultural expression through media. Some of it is done through a personal lens and personal view. Sometimes we have like a hip Jesus, you know, that wants to be expressed because he gets us, you know, he's relevant. He's somebody that kind of in our time, a lot of times in our culture where we talk about strength, they want to have strong Jesus, which is like, I mean, he looks like Samson or Mr. Universe, you know, and just ripping the cross apart. You know, we have this, we have, everybody has a visual in terms of what Jesus might look like. Even as a child, and this is probably something that I saw as a child, sometimes we have a, a, an idea as a child of what Jesus looked like in his humanity. And sometimes we felt like he was more man than anything, and he was usually meek and mild and like petting lambs and talking to kids, you know. And sometimes, and this was definitely me, I didn't quite, I couldn't quite understand Jesus from a man's standpoint as much as I did maybe a God standpoint. So I always pictured Jesus more angel than man. You guys with me on that? I always pictured him have kind of either an aura, visible or invisible, that just had a sense about him that was much more powerful and angelic, more so than even man. And there's, again, there's lots of different things that we use to kind of help form our picture of Jesus. And it gets difficult in conversations when we start saying, talking about your Jesus and my Jesus. There's, listen, every religion, okay, almost every religion in the world has written Jesus in to some way, shape, and form. Every religion in the world has a, has a picture of Jesus for their religion, okay? And so there's a lot of common things that people, it doesn't really matter, you know, you could, you could be coming from a completely different worldview than me. And your Jesus and my Jesus really aren't the same ones, but there'll be some common traits that'll all sound very familiar when we talk about Jesus. So here's some of the common things I just pulled out that I think we do see in conversations about your Jesus and my Jesus. And, and one is that he's supportive. You know, he's a friend. We sang a song this morning about, you know, God being our friend. And there's, you know, an old hymn, their old uh, gospel song, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You guys ever remember singing that? What a friend we have in this is what I used to do in the Baptist church. All right. I used to lead that way. Uh, there's a lot of that. You know, there's scripture that talks about a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Okay? So a lot of people look at that as being this, this sort of supportive nature. Jesus is supportive like a friend. He's loving, right? And that just is, kind of goes with our theme and culture of love. And love makes the world go round. And love is all you need. And love wins. He's accepting, that no matter who you are and what you are and where you are, he's going to accept you. I sang as, as a kid in church every Sunday. I sang a song called Just As I Am. Raise your hand if you ever had that. Yeah, I, just, just As I Am. I sang that every week, that he was this accepting, 
And then we have a good teacher, and this is really where um, a lot of the WWJD kind of came out with, you know, several years ago, because, you know, regardless of what you believed about Jesus, you could take the lessons and the teaching of Jesus and apply them to your life because he was a good teacher. You know, what would Jesus do? Well, he would turn the other cheek. Okay, well, that's a good, that's a good lesson. Let's do that. Some people look at Jesus as a prophet because they, they want to try to reconcile the historical figure of who Jesus is in history. And the problem is, is you can't reconcile the, the historical figure of Jesus without accompanying the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he did. And so oftentimes they will use other words like prophet or something to try to kind of talk about his power or the power that he expressed in the world. And to many, he's savior. He's savior. Now, believe it or not, there are people outside of the realm of Christianity that believe that Jesus' death meant something for them, okay? There, there, there are other religions and other things where they do not believe in the deity of Christ. They do not believe that he rose again, but they do believe he died. And they do believe that, his, that there was a significance to his death that had him be a savior for mankind. And so there's a lot of common, a lot of common words, a lot of common themes and, and things that we will, when we're talking about your Jesus and my Jesus, we will discuss and kind of come together on. Now, there are several things that, that, that sometimes we can't agree on. When we're talking about your Jesus and my Jesus because of how you view things and how I view things, we're going to maybe debate about this. We're going to disagree about this. Sometimes it's the fact that your Jesus is judgmental, right? Your Jesus is, uh, is an old-fashioned, rigid, not relevant with the times Jesus. And my Jesus is tolerant and loving everyone, where everyone is accepted no matter what. Sometimes your Jesus, I think, is exclusive. I think it's exclusive that there's a narrow road, that it's conditional, right? That there's things that you have to do in order to have Jesus or to have this relationship with Jesus. And there's some that say, my Jesus is inclusive, right? It's unconditional. It's anyone, it's many paths can take you there, and, he, and it's okay to have your own version of your own spiritual journey and still have Jesus. Some people say, your Jesus is a rule maker, right? He limits you, he restricts you. It's all about controlling, it's very legalistic. But my Jesus is a freedom giver. He, all he wants for me is to be free, free to live and free to love and free to make my own decisions and create my own path. So whether it's something that we, we, we agree about in terms of my Jesus and your Jesus, or whether it's something that we disagree about, the problem is, is that it doesn't give us a very clear view of the real Jesus. And the problem with that is, is that we then have to search for the, the identifying marks of what's different about the real Jesus. Because see, the problem with all of those things is all of those things have a sliver of truth to it, Right? Listen, guys, the best lies have a thread of truth weaved through it. Nod your head if you agree with me, right? The best lies have a thread of truth weaved through it. So the problem is that many of those things will, can be true, but we have a hard time saying, well, what's, what's different about the real Jesus versus your interpretation and, and, and view of Jesus versus my interpretation and view of Jesus? Well, there are plenty of things, and that's what we're going to spend the next several weeks talking through. Today, specifically today, I wanted to talk about one distinguishing characteristic that has everything to do with Easter. 
Okay? One distinguishing characteristic that is unique to the real Jesus that has everything to do with why we celebrate Easter today. And it's summed up in one word. Say the word out loud. Right. Just say it one more time. Say it out loud. Authority. By the way, this is the word of the day. I'm gonna, every time this is on the screen, I'm going to ask you to say it out loud, okay? We're going to get used to saying that word together. There's one unique distinguishing characteristic of the real Jesus, and that is authority. Now, we don't like the word authority, right? We don't like the word authority. Why? Because authority in our current culture, in our day and age, authority means something negative, okay? If we have a negative view, a negative connotation of what authority is and who is authority, right? It's always bosses and taskmasters and people that want to control you, and they're arrogant, and they're, and they're the man, right? That's the authority usually in our lives, and we don't trust authority. We don't trust authority because usually those in authority or those who have authority, we don't believe they have our best interests at heart. So we have a negative view and a negative aspect, a negative t- a filter by which we view that phrase. So you won't hear many people talk about their Jesus with the word authority in it. You won't even hear people argue about Jesus around this theme of authority. But it is, a, it is, it is something that distinguishes and marks the real Jesus. And it's the best news you'll ever hear because it ties directly to what we celebrate today. So what I want to do is just for a few minutes, I want to take you through just a trip through the Gospels, okay? A trip through the Gospels of Jesus' life and Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And talk about how it is he expressed that authority. How it is he spoke about the authority. What others said about Jesus in terms of his authority. So that we can get a better, clearer picture of who this real Jesus is. Now, if you're following along in your Bibles, I go pretty quickly, so I apologize if you can't keep up. I'm going to put all the references on the screen if you want to write them down, and you can read them later, okay? But we're going to start here. This is after Jesus has um, actually, often and early in his ministry, he would actually find people who were possessed and who were oppressed by evil spirits, and he would free them by the power of his name. He would free them. And people would see this, and it would be many, many part of his first few signs and wonders. They would see him doing this. They would see his disciples do this. But this is one of those times where after they saw him, you know, sort of exercise this evil spirit, they'd be in amazement. They, gri- they were gripped by amazement, and they began to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such, what's the word? Okay, you're going to have to get better at that, or we're going to have to stop all along the way, okay? It has such what? Authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. Even evil spirits obey his orders. John the Baptist, um, when John the Baptist was on the scene, he paved the way for Jesus. He paved the way for his ministry. But John the Baptist had a huge ministry. But here's the words that John the Baptist used speaking about Jesus. It says that anyone who accepts his testimony, talking about John's, he's talking about Jesus, can confirm and affirm that God is true. For he sent, he is sent by God. They're talking about Jesus. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put, what's the word? He's put everything in his hands. 
This is John talking about Jesus. He loves his son so much, he's put everything in his hands. Now, oftentimes, people would follow Jesus because he did miracles for them, and that was great. But every once in a while, Jesus would teach some things and say some things that people were just like, I don't know who this guy is, right? They would get a little, they were, they, they kind of start arguing about, is this guy even real? Is this guy possessed? Like, is he being used of the devil? They really weren't sure because Jesus would make some incredible claims. And this is one of those moments. It says, when Jesus actually finished teaching and saying some of the things he said, this is after the Sermon on the Mount, he said, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real, what's the word? Authority. Authority. Quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. And then he, a little bit later on, he'd be teaching, and he would talk about the, making the claims about who he was, Jesus explaining his authority. And he said, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I can take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the, what's the word? Amen. To lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. You read on a little bit further and they're just like, I don't know about this guy, right? I'm not sure. But Jesus would make those kind of audacious claims. And then, of course, some of the stories that we know, Jesus got in the boat and started across the lake with his disciples and suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake and waves broke into the boat and Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm, and the disciples were amazed. Other versions say terrified. Same, same feeling. Who is this man? They said that even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Right? I mean, Jesus would only make these claims about himself, but even the disciples that, that, you know, that would hear him say such things and go, yeah, 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 but then it got real for them, right? It got real in the boat because they'd experienced these kinds of storms before, and they'd heard tons of stories and had tons of friends that didn't make it through these kinds of storms. It got real for them in their real life and real problems, and Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves, and then they go, wait a minute, what just happened? Who is this man that has this kind of authority over the wind and the waves. One time Jesus was, uh, this is a little before his, um, his capture, but he was walking through, during the prepping, prepping for the Passover, he's walking through the temple courts, and he noticed all this perversion happening in the courts. There were money changers like banks, money changers happening there, making change, making a profit, uh, doing some things. There were people selling uh, animals for the sacrifice, just bringing a perversion about the whole sacrificial system that was in place. So Jesus grabs a whip, okay? He grabs a whip and starts to turn over the tables and drive the people out of the temple courts, okay? Drive them out of the temple courts. Now, what would you and I say to that? Someone came in today with a whip. This is not a challenge, by the way. Uh, someone came in today with a whip and started to do, like, what would, what would our response to that be? Our response would be, what are you doing, right? What do you think you're doing right now? But that wasn't their response to Jesus because they already knew Jesus. They'd already heard the teachings of Jesus. And here's how they responded. 
As Jesus was then walking through the temple area, the lead priests and teachers of religious law and the elders came up to him and they demanded, hey, by what, say the word, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the right to do them? You know what that question is? That's a question that says, who do you think you are, right? Who do you think you are? So much of what Jesus said had to do with place the authority and place the authority so tied to him and his life. We read last week, uh, right before um, he raised Lazarus from the dead, he told Mary and Martha and those listening, says, hey, I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, again, all placed on him, in me, will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me or lives in me and believes in me will never die. All centered on Jesus. A little bit later on with his disciples, as John would record, he tells them clearly as he can possibly tell them. He says, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one gets to come to the Father except through me. Talk about the authority by which Jesus spoke. And it wasn't a plan. It wasn't a formula. It was just him. The authority that I speak with is all me because it's been given to me. And then, of course, he would be captured. Jesus would let himself be taken. And he would be unjustly tried by the religious leaders in the, at midnight, in the night, when no one else could know. And then he would be rushed to Pilate, where they would ask Pilate to do the work that they could not do, to, 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 to crucify him. And Pilate would, listen, Pilate had Jesus beaten and flogged, and he put a crown of thorns on his head, all to satisfy a crowd, all to satisfy those who had problems with Jesus. And to humiliate him publicly. And then Pilate would bring him forth and he, would, he, he gave a pardon on the Passover and said, who do you want to pardon, Barabbas or Jesus? And Pilate made it very clear, I find Jesus not guilty of anything. He's not guilty of anything. But the crowd said, we want Barabbas and we want you to crucify Jesus. And if you ever wondered what pushed Pilate over the edge... I want you to see the last words that Jesus speaks to Pilate. I want you to see the last recorded words that he says to the, to the guy who had all the authority in that region of Jerusalem at that time. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Could you imagine Jesus saying that? to the most powerful person in the world at that time, to say, guess what? You have no power over me unless it was already given to you from above. And then he sent him to be crucified. And around midday, when Jesus knew his time was coming to an end, he was, he was on a cross between two thieves, and he asked for a drink, and at that point, they decided to give him vinegar on a sponge instead of water. And then he says these words. His last words in this moment says, he received that drink and then he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Now, Jesus said it is finished, and as Rachel told, you know, shared with you in that spoken word this morning, it meant a whole lot more than what they thought it meant at that time. Jesus said it is finished, and he was speaking with the authority of Jesus. But to everybody else, when he said it's finished, it was finished. It was over. Everything that Jesus had proclaimed, everything that he had stated, everything that he had said, everything that he had placed out there with authority that had to do with his life, that had to do with his authority, was over. To the disciples, it was finished. To his mother, it was finished. To anyone who had ever heard him and to those who wanted him dead, it was finished. There were no believers in Jesus on Saturday. Nod your head if you understand that. There were no believers of Jesus on Easter Saturday, but, right, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went through the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified, and they bowed their face to the ground. And the men asked, hey, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. Read that last sentence. He is risen from the... Okay, let's read it like it's Easter morning. Let's do that together, okay? He says, why would you be looking for among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. Read it with me. He is risen from the dead. Even the angels are going, duh right? Didn't he tell you? Didn't you understand the authority that came with that phrase, it is finished? Well, they understood in that moment. And then Jesus would appear to those ladies, and he would appear to the disciples, and he would appear to 500 plus witnesses over a period of time. And then for those who had the honor of being a part of his ascension, watching him go back to his father, he says it again, like his parting words, he reminds them one more time in case they didn't get it yet. He says it this way. He told his disciples, I have been given, what's the word? All authority. all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey the, new, the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when John, in John's revelation, when he hears Jesus' voice and then Jesus appears to him, Jesus' first words to John directly face to face, he says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm alive. I died, but I am now the living one forever." And ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. We are reminded at Easter, and this is inseparable. This is why we wanted to talk about this today. Easter reminds us that resurrection requires authority. We cannot celebrate the resurrection of Jesus without at least understanding that it is his authority that allowed it to happen. It's one thing to say, you can't take my life, right? It's one thing to say, I know some arrogant men that might say that today. 
You can't take my life. I'll give it when I want to give it. For one thing, for Jesus to say, you can't take my life, I give it voluntarily because I can take it back up again. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. It's another thing to say there is no Easter, Easter Sunday, there is no resurrection without the authority of Jesus Christ, alive and well. And guys, it's the foundation of everything we believe. It's the foundation of why we're here as a church. Paul says it this way. If Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And our faith is useless. He goes on to say, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sin. There is no Savior there is, there is no hope. There is no resurrection. It's just Saturday from that point on. And he says, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. If, if resurrection, if the authority of Jesus that, that allowed him to, to rise from the grave, if that idea and that resurrection is just a little inspirational thought in the spring of the year, then we are more to be pitied than anyone else. If the idea of Jesus' authority and celebrating the resurrection is just something that takes care of your eternity, but doesn't affect you at all for this life, guys, you're more to be pitied. We're more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. But the problem that we continue to have with authority is the fact that not just not that we view it negatively, but even with Jesus and his authority, when it comes to my Jesus and your Jesus, and my view of him and your view of him, the problem is, is that we usually only give him some authority. We usually only recognize some authority. And usually that's based completely off of our need. That's based off completely our need or our, our issues of control. So sure, I'll give Jesus the authority of my eternity. I don't even know what my eternity is. I don't even know what it means. But I'll give him authority over that. And when someone gets sick and there's nothing else I can do, I'll call on Jesus' authority in that. And when stuff starts to hit the fan and, and everything that I've tried to do make, to make things work doesn't start to work and my finances ruin and my, my marriage is ruined, I'll, I'll call on Jesus' authority for that. But the reason we only give him some authority is because for whatever reason, we want to keep the authority that we have on over our lives. We want to do all we can to keep the authority that we have over our lives. We fall for the lie. We fall for the lie that it's up to us to manage our lives. It's up to us to navigate the struggles of our life. It's up to us to manufacture and carve out our destiny and our future. That's on our shoulders. So we'll give some authority to him. Because we believe the lie that we still have to keep authority in our life. And yet, again, Jesus made it very clear that all authority is his. All authority on, in heaven and on earth belongs to me. 
And guys, this is the best news you could ever hear in your entire lives. Is that not only the authority of this resurrection, but everything falls under my authority. Everything in heaven and everything on earth. Do you know what that means for us? It means that your family and your career and your jobs and your rebellious kids and your sorrow and your hurt and your victory and your success and your purpose and your destiny all fall under his authority. There is nothing that will never fall under his authority. It all belongs to him. Our job is to surrender to his authority. Our job is to follow his authority because he has it anyway. But most of us will live tired, exhausted, anxious lives because we believe that it's still about our authority over our lives. We will try to control the chaos. We will try to manufacture our successes. We will try to navigate our way through the struggles of this life. And we will grow weary, and we will grow weak, and we will be depressed, and we will get anxious. And yet the whole time Jesus is saying, just give it to me. I have all the authority anyway. Sometimes it's the fact that our life is going too good. Our job is good, our marriage is good, our kids are good, our finances are good, the boat is good, right? Everything seems to be good. But beneath the surface, you live with a kind of stress that is affecting your health. Beneath the surface, you live with anxiety and no peace. Beneath the surface, you're trying to hold it all together because now the pressure is to keep it going good. And what you know that you will never admit to anybody is that it is a house of cards that you've built. It only takes one client to sue you for the house of cards to tumble down. It only takes one rebellious teenager to make a tragic mistake for the house of cards to tumble down. It only takes you doing one stupid indiscretion in your entire life for your marriage and your family to come tumbling down. Anything built in our power is a house of cards. But anything submitted and surrendered to all the authority in Jesus gives us rest. It's all his anyway. Now, this is one of those easy reflection things. Sometimes I'll give you guys at the end of a message, I'll give you something to think about and something to process when you leave. This one's actually really easy. This one's actually pretty easy. You can probably guess it right now, okay, where you stand in all of this. The authority you live by reveals the Jesus you follow. The authority you live by simply reveals the Jesus that you're following. If he has some authority in your life, then you're in my Jesus and your Jesus stage. And it's whatever view and whatever manufactured understanding of Jesus that you've concocted at this point in your life that you're living by. 
Maybe you don't live by any of it. There is no Jesus in your life. Or maybe you, you understand that he's got all authority and you've surrendered everything to him. You've given it all to him. And you take a deep breath every morning that it's not by your authority that your life goes on, it's by his authority. It's by the real Jesus authority. And my prayer, listen, my prayer for you today and throughout this series is for you to have an encounter with the real Jesus. Not the Jesus, not your Jesus or, or my Jesus or their Jesus. My desire and prayer for you is that you would encounter the real Jesus at some point, maybe for the first time in your life. Because there is nothing, listen, once you surrender that to him, there is nothing that can separate you from the authority and the power and the love of God, right? Not death, right? We know that's true. Not life, right? We know that's true. Not angels and not demons, not powers or principalities, not the worries of today or the fear and anxiety of tomorrow. Nothing in heaven and nothing on earth can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. That's an encounter with the real Jesus. And here's how Jesus, here's how Jesus at one point told everybody what this meant. And I want you to get this this morning before we leave. This is what he said. When he said, look, it's all mine. I hope you guys just know it. It's all mine. It's all been given to me. All authority is mine. Here's good news for you. Jesus said, my father has entrusted, what's the word? everything to me. And then he says, come. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's what that authority does. He says, take my yoke, my teaching, my, my, the following of me in your life. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and the burden I give is light. Jesus says, if you submit to the authority that I already have, following me is easy. Submitting to me and living out with the burden that I give you is light compared to you trying to live under your authority. It's all been entrusted to me, he says. So follow me. Give it all to me. Let's pray together this morning. God, I am so thankful that all authority in heaven and on earth and over death and the grave belongs to you. And Jesus, we don't like that word. We just confess to you. There is too much cultural uh, uh, impressions on us and, and the ways that we've conformed to this world that we continue to think of that word authority as negative. And yet, God, we cannot even celebrate today without acknowledging that all authority is in you. That's what Easter reminds us of. God, my prayer today is that everyone in this room We'll have an encounter with you. We'll have an encounter with the real 
you, not the, the version of you that we've decided to become comfortable with, but Jesus, the real you. And I pray this morning for, for those of you that are here right now in this place, and you've never, you've never experienced an encounter with the real Jesus before. You've never understood that the authority that he brings is rest for your souls. And you want to experience that today. You want to accept that today for the first time maybe in your entire life. I would ask you right now just to raise your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. Thank you for doing that. I would also say for those that are here right now, you know, you know that you've only given Jesus some authority in your life. That the authority you follow and that you live by really is mostly you. But you want to make a change. You want to surrender the rest of it to him today. You don't want to live by your authority anymore. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you and for you. As we all pray together, I'm just going to say these words. I ask that if you raised your hand this morning, you'll say this in your heart. The words matter less than the posture of your heart to Jesus right now. But anything along these lines where you just say, Jesus, I want to have an encounter with the real you. I want to accept the gift of your authority in my life. Even if it's for the first time, God, I want you to save me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I give you everything. Maybe, God, I've only given you a little before, but I want to give all of it to you today. God, I surrender. I surrender and I want to receive the rest and the peace that only your authority in my entire life can bring me. And as a church, we pray with you. And as a church, we say thank you, Jesus, for the work of your spirit in and through this place today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.